Today's scripture is from Proverbs 22.5. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. The cautious will keep far from them. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Linda, for sharing our text with us this morning. Linda was reading from the NRSV, and in that version of this text, the verse is 17 words long, which seems short until you look at it in Hebrew and realize it's only eight words in Hebrew. And because it's only eight words, we have some time to look carefully today at several of those words. So before we do, let's pray. God of all wisdom, we ask your blessing on the reading, the hearing, and the teaching of your word. Through Christ Jesus we pray, amen. So before we look at any individual words, let's start with just the face value of this text. I'll read it again because it won't take long. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. The cautious will keep far from them. So we have thorns and snares, bad, in the way of the perverse, bad. The cautious, good, will keep far from them, presumably the thorns and the snares, keeping far from them, good. Bad things are in the way of the bad folks, the good folks stay far from them. Let's close in prayer. We had a pastor at an old church that did that joke every time he preached. So it's really funny once. If I do it again, you can talk to me afterward. So if you read a whole bunch of Proverbs in a row, if you just read chapters of Proverbs, it's really easy to just let them all kind of wash over you like this. Wise people have wisdom. Foolish people are fools. Lying people don't tell the truth. Truthful people can be trusted. It starts to feel like reading a list of quotes from Yogi Berra. If you don't know Yogi Berra, he was a great baseball player and manager for the New York Yankees who's famous for his one-liners like, it ain't over till it's over, or you wouldn't have won if we'd have beaten you. <laughs> but if it were really that simple, then we wouldn't need these books. If the sayings in Proverbs were as basic as this, just common knowledge, then they wouldn't have been collected as wisdom worthy of being handed down generation after generation. So there must be more to this text and to Proverbs in general than this surface level meaning that we might gather on a quick read. And this is where looking closely at some of the words in this passage can open it up for us. So the first word we're going to look at is translated in the NRSV as perverse. And there are a bunch of uh, synonyms that come up when you look in a concordance for this word. Words like fraudulent, deceitful, crooked, froward. When I saw that word, I had to read it several times. I thought, there's probably not a spelling error in a concordance. I thought it was forward, but it was froward. It's an old English word that basically means the opposite of toward. So if you think about to and fro, like running to and fro, then you can see how toward 
and froward would be opposites. To word and froward, to and fro. So this verse is saying, thorns and snares are in the way or the path of those who are going froward. So those who are going froward are going toward thorns and snares. But I think we have to assume that much of the time, those who are on that path don't know it. Because if you know that you are going toward harmful things, that you are about to hurt yourself, that you will definitely lose money on that investment, or your car will run out of gas on your way to work, or you will for sure tear your ACL if you take that black diamond ski run, then you make a different choice, right? You go a different direction. So I think that toward and froward might sometimes really look the same. That's why we say, if only I would have known. I would have done something different if I would have known. But what are these thorns and snares that the ancient wisdom writers are warning us about? I don't think they're necessarily related to our physical health or our financial prosperity or even potentially to our happiness or comfort. The thorns and snares that are showing up in this passage that are warning us, the Hebrews warning us about, they have to do with another Hebrew word that we find in here. And that word is nefesh. I think that's fun to say, you can say it with me. Nefesh, good job. Thank you, Antu. Nefesh in Hebrew means soul. The thorns and the snares that lie in the path of the froward, the fraudulent, the crooked, the perverse, are not related to material wealth or physical health, but related to the soul. They aren't about a path that leads to a lack of prosperity, but rather a path that leads to a lack of soul. So let's take a moment and look at this word nefesh. Some of you may have seen the short video that I posted on Realm yesterday about this word. And so you know that it refers not to some ethereal or spiritual part of the human that's separate from the body, something that floats up to heaven when you die, but rather the whole living person, mind, body, spirit, emotions, all of that is encompassed by the word soul. It indicates the dignity and the integrity of a being created in the image of God. So in our passage, the, the phrase, the cautious, is actually something more like the one who guards the nefesh. That's what's translated as the cautious. The one who guards the nefesh, the soul, will walk away from soul-damaging thorns and snares. The one who guards the nefesh will walk toward soul-nourishing things. So how do we guard or keep or protect or show care for the soul? That's not a simple question. That's more complex than just do good stuff, get good stuff. It's not formulaic. It's not formulaic because the human soul is not a machine. 
the human soul is more like a flame or a breeze or a river. We did not cause it to be. We did not invent it. When it is tended well, when it is cared for and protected, it is both beautiful and powerful. But when it is twisted or manipulated or handled irresponsibly, it can destroy everything in its path. So this one verse is giving us a key to understanding how to know if we are moving froward or toward, if we are going to or fro in the path of soul life or soul harm. And the question that this verse asks us to consider is not, does this path that I'm on, does it lead to prosperity? The question is not, is this path safe and comfortable for me? The question is not even, does this path that I'm on make good logical sense? The question that this verse asks us to consider is, does this path bless my soul? Does this path bless my soul? Is the flame of God's spirit kindled as I walk on this path? Does the breeze of the Holy Spirit blow me toward life as I walk on this path? Am I in the flow of the river of God's love? And if that sounds a little woo-woo or new-agey, you're going to have to take it up with the ancient wisdom writers. Because the Hebrew poets don't subscribe to a mechanical Western view of humanity. They are not interested in trying to help us be more productive or more efficient. They have a holistic view of people and communities. And so for people like us, that can make the Hebrew Bible pretty tricky to understand because we are in a society that is built on productivity and efficiency and risk mitigation but doesn't that mean we need this word all the more? That we need to take the time to hear what the Spirit is saying to us here. We need to remember that we are not just minds with bodies. We are souls. Every part of us interconnected and integrated, whether we acknowledge it, whether our society acknowledges it, that's just true about the way that God made us. And the question this passage asks us is, will you guard and care for and be responsible for your soul? It's a question about integrity. And it's a question that requires us to do some deep reflection. And usually to get some input from a more objective source, a trusted friend, or a spiritual director, maybe a therapist, or a pastor, and ask them, if you're brave, do you see me 
tending my soul? Do you see any parts of me that lack integrity or that need care or are in danger of being damaged by the path that I'm walking? Do you see somewhere where I am going fro instead of to? Ask that and listen. Now, if we were to look only at this one verse without putting it into the context of the overall message of the Gospels, there's something that you might notice. And this isn't really unusual for the book of Proverbs. You might notice that this verse doesn't really say anything about God. I mean, it's included in the Bible, which is God's word, so it's part of God's word. But on its face, if you were to just read it out of context, it's, it's pretty general and universal in nature. But we come to this verse as Christians, as people who believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what difference does that make when it comes to reading this text? I believe that that difference can be summed up in a question. Whose soul? Whose souls? The plain meaning of the Hebrew is something like, Bacchus is the one who guards his own soul. That person will stay away from thorns and snares. So Proverbs says, whose soul, your own soul. But when we read it alongside the Gospels, we're compelled, I think, to expand that. Whose souls does Jesus seek after? Whose bodies and souls gather around the table with Jesus? whose souls are healed by his touch. The lost, the sick, the unclean, the vulnerable, the unwelcome. You have heard it said in Proverbs, guard your own soul. But I say to you, guard, protect, love, and care for the souls, and remember that means the whole person of everyone, of your neighbor, of your enemy, of the one you know intimately, of the one you do not know and do not understand. And when we do this, when we look after and guard one another's souls, we walk toward life towards soul-nourishing life, not only for ourselves, but for the world God loves. Through Jesus Christ, we are invited to do more than simply turn around and walk away from the thorns and the snares. We are invited to actually pull them up from the ground. Remember that verse of the Christmas carol, Joy to the World? No more let sins or sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow far as the curse is found. This is the work of Christ, and we participate as we let the blessing flow through us to such a degree that the thorns and snares themselves are uprooted. 
on the cross, death itself, death and all that which destroys, was itself destroyed. And now by the power of the resurrection, new and abundant life can grow again in the places where death once reigned. May this life move in our souls today, and may we be forever moving toward Jesus. Amen.